Our latest guest on soundtracking, in association with The White Company, is a composer who cut his teeth as a founder member of Tindersticks, with whom he wrote orchestral arrangements, recorded numerous albums and toured worldwide. Dickon Hinchliffe then turned his hand to scoring films when French director Claire Denis asked the band to write the music for her film Nanette et Bonnie. Dickon hasn't looked back since, providing the sonic backdrop to films as diverse as Winter's Bone, Project Nim and Leave No Trace. His latest project is Idris Elba's directorial debut, Yardy, which required compositions that complemented not only the narrative but also the fabulous soundtrack. Plenty more on that shortly, but first a word from our friends at The White Company. Now, we all lead very busy lives, and I, for one, really appreciate a good night's sleep, what with being a working mum who always has plenty on the go. The White Company has years of experience in crafting bed linen and more to help us achieve just that. Think of them as your own personal sleep experts. They've now launched a brand new range of products to help you achieve the best sleep possible. It's not simply cosy engulfing bed linen and nightwear, but naturally infused sleep remedies too, which I've genuinely found helpful in steering me towards a peaceful and restorative night's sleep. To find out more, head to thewhitecompany.com or pop into one of their stores. Sleep better, feel better, live better with The White Company. Now, as I said, Dickon moved into the world of film score composition thanks to the great French director Claire Denis. And it's with his work on Nanette et Bonnie that we begin, and a cue entitled La Passerelle. Dickon, welcome to Soundtracking. Thank, Thank you, you so much for, for chatting to us. You've got such a brilliant array of films and TV that you've worked on. Do you mind if we started though, if I asked you how you got into the world of composing for TV and film? Yeah, I, I was in a band called Tinder Six for many years. We always loved soundtracks and listening it influenced our music a lot. And yeah. A French director called Claire Denis approached us to score one of her films, so we just jumped at the chance and it was it was all very low, lo-fi. We literally sat in a room as a band and the drummer would play on a VHS machine and we'd play along and we didn't have a clue what we were doing but <laughs> it was great fun and, yeah. and that's how I got into it, that was the start of it. very different process to make a music for a band. I guess with that first score we did it wasn't really because we were still treating it as just us guys making music together but yeah. without any vocals on it. But from then on it, I started doing stuff more on my own and doing things that were much closer to a more you know traditional way of scoring films. So, yeah. Yeah the, the biggest difference I guess is that you have to get a thick skin you know if you write a piece of music that doesn't work for the director you have to learn that just because they say it doesn't work doesn't mean that they think you're rubbish or something. Yeah. It, it's and, and in a band, you 
when, in our band anyway, we just did whatever we felt like. And, and you've got each other as well to almost throw it to, I guess, Yeah, exactly. Well. And also to support each other, you know, yeah. if, if... But our record labels were never didactic, you must do this or that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the thing. And, and also you have to be a lot more organised. And, <laughs> you know, time, because it's very time-consuming. Yeah. What was harder, getting growing a thicker skin or, or, or working out your, your time... Timekeeping. Both. I mean, I think <laughs> just, it's just being organised. And every time you write a piece of music, you have to log and be careful you don't lose where it went or something. Because if someone further down the line says, oh, we actually love that very first thing you did, and you're yeah. like, well, where, where the, what was it? You yeah. Know? Just kind of things that sound really obvious. But yeah, yeah. if you're used to being in a band where you just, things are a lot bit messier, <laughs> yeah. you have to get organised. What for you is the thing that you look for when you know a project is presented to you? What makes you kind of sign up and get involved? Um, I think a combination of things. Um, it's usually to do with um, the actual film itself. Mm -hmm. You know, if it if it resonates, if it feels good to me, and and what the directors like, how how they're using music, what their ideas are for music. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I, I don't really work on films where it's kind of wall to wall music, and music is there as a kind of background device to get you from A to B. I, yeah. I like I like to be involved in projects where the music has a, its own voice and it and it's uh, it's another character if you like in the film. Mm -hmm. That to me is when it's exciting and interesting to, to do it. We've got so much to talk about. Let, yeah. Let's start with the present and, and, yeah. and Yardy, which I really enjoyed in the performances in particular, I thought were incredible. Really interesting when it comes to music in terms of music's a narrative in the film. Music's very much part of the characters' lives in the film and you've got that 1970s Kingston and 1980s Hackney to kind of play with. Yeah. Where did you start with it and what were the conversations you had with Idris about it? The first thing was just um, he wanted music that felt pertinent to that time period and so he was really anti anything sounding slick and glossy and too modern and it, so we talked a lot about it having a kind of analogue pre-digital vibe. You know, we we also talked about the, the score not being a, a generic film score and being something unique to the film, and that it would um, between the songs it wouldn't jump out. Oh, now we're going to score. You know, this. You know, we wanted it to feel like a seamless sort of flow. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of got into listening to what he was using the, the songs in particular in the film and other things that he mentioned and started to build. The, the sounds were like an instrumentation were almost the first 
you know, the, the stepping board, the, the, the springboard, if yeah, you like, yeah, yeah. the score, rather than, oh, we need this kind of melody or, or that. It was, and also, and rhythmic as well. It's a very rhythmic score. to kind of define those two locations in a way through the music for you? Yeah, I, I, it was, because I was sort of, you know, I know London from that time and that area from sort of growing up in North London and I haven't been to Jamaica, but, you know... <laughs> Me that, neither. I'd yeah. love to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I've listened to... I, I know the music very well and, um, you know, at first it was quite a challenge, but it was... It was very much experimenting and mm -hmm. finding sounds that felt good and how to kind of weave a combination of sort of uh, more traditional film scoring techniques into a kind of uh, something that sounded like a band playing at yeah. times. That, yeah. was, that was a goal. that's the thing about it is because I, I really got that from it because in, in Kingston particularly they, they seem to be you know having not been but from how it's portrayed particularly in this film music's everywhere you know it's it, like you say it's almost like the rhythm of of the country in a way you know so kind of it was kind of brilliantly I think portrayed in that where there was just this kind of almost like you say constant beat permeating yeah. through it really yeah and I think the real the challenge for me was to become part of that mm. and because the 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 music is amazing, the, the, you know, the, the songs and stuff, and, and it's kind of, sometimes it can be a bit daunting to sort of be up against some of those big names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some bands that I love on there. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. you know, Idris's first, his directorial debut, and I yeah. mean, great, great project to, you know, to come out with and stuff like that. What was your experience in terms of working with him? I mean, he seems like he, you know, very much looks like he knows what he's doing, and, and for you working with him, what was that experience like? He was great to work with, really clear, had a very clear vision about the music. Yeah. 
And also because he's a DJ and and a drummer as well. Is he a drummer? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, he's a... yeah, you can play drums, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can that be a hindrance though for you? Well, well I was going to say, no, it wasn't. Because, I mean, I think some people, sometimes when a director knows too much about music, it can be, <laughs> it can be tough. <laughs> yeah. But with him, it was great, actually, because he actually would give me notes like, oh, can a bass come in two bars later? And I think the drums can be, a, you know, it needs a fill here. You know, he'd, he had some input like that at yeah. times. It, not massively, but there were a few moments where he gave me notes that I'd never, the kind of notes I'd never normally get from directors. Yeah. He wasn't just talking about mood and tone and character. He got into the specifics as well. And that was, that was great because it was like having a really collaborative, you know, relationship with yeah. him as a director. every project's different in terms of when you when you get brought in what's the what's the kind of ideal for you in terms of a project when do you like to be you know kind of there and, and seeing and listening and, and kind of you know collaborating um it, it really depends on the project for i mean uh for example i did a film just just before i did yardy called leave no trace a deborah granite film and, yeah um, back you worked with him winter's bone yeah, yeah yeah he did winter's bone and um and with that film, with Deborah, she likes, she, she enjoys working over a long period. Um, as she edits, she doesn't like to use temp music at all. So I was kind of writing temp music as we went along, and, and it was a, a really long but yeah. rewarding um, project. I mean, there yeah. isn't masses of music in it, but music has to be right, and Deborah has a very keen ear for when things work.
so I did I spent a lot of time on that mm. but no, sorry probably no more than a normal score but more spread out yeah and so I was working from the script a lot and then early images and whereas with Yardi I came it was like I think six weeks or something like that and it was towards the end because I think it took them a while to get the edit in the right kind of shape yeah to get a composer involved because they were just still working out how the music was going to be and mm -hmm. so it really depends on the project sometimes it's nice to be involved very early on and like um, Morricone used to write for Sergio Leone, you know, he wrote the score before the, so the film. Yeah. Some, some of those things like Once Upon a Time in America, they'd be playing the music on set, you know, even if it was just rough ideas. Yeah. And I, I love that. It, if you get the chance ever to do that, it's really exciting. We've had a couple of people on the show actually who've talked about uh, sending the composer the script and the composer sending back basically an entire score for the film based purely on their interpretation of of the script. I think it was um, Mark Forster or for Kite Runner actually. Okay. Um, yeah. And and kind of, you know, it was like, it's unbelievable. And for him yeah. then, it was incredible help in terms of the tone of the film was there for him. Yeah. For when he then went in to, to shoot. I think that's great. And it's and it's kind of the inverse of the standard sort of Hollywood approach, which yeah. is to get someone in right at the end and they have a sort of six weeks to blast through it. With a temp score on them yeah. they say, can you make it yeah, sound like exactly, a temp yeah, score? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the biggest problem yeah. with that, that approach is if a director gets hooked on, on something in the temp, it's sometimes quite hard to pull them away. Yeah. With Deborah, I, I, I was just, I was telling you before we started that I rewatched Winter's Bone and I, I loved that film when it first came out, eight years ago, mm. I think it was. Yeah. And you're, the music, you know, there's music in it in various forms. It starts with music, with this, kind of beautiful kind of traditional sort of country song is that the, is that yeah, would that be it, fair to describe it as? yeah i think it's actually a sort of um unofficial sort of anthem of um in missouri it's, it's way down missouri, in yeah. missouri but they changed had to change some of the lyrics because it's the original version has got some kind of racist lines back, from back in the day and stuff yeah oh wow so it's glad like, they changed yeah, that eh? yeah <laughs> Hush by my baby, slumber time is coming soon. Rest your head upon my breast while mama hums a tune. The Sandman is calling when shadows are falling, while the soft breezes sigh as in days long gone by. Way down in Missouri where I heard this melody When I was just a little baby on my mama's knee The old folks were humming, the banjos were strumming So sweet and low And I love the kind of dream sequence with the, with the squirrels yeah. Um, oh, yeah, which has got yeah. a, a, a quite a particular piece of music that you know that, that yeah. you wrote for it and yeah. stuff.
can we talk a little bit about working on, on Winter's Bone and, and, yeah. and what that was like? That was the first time I'd worked with Deborah, and originally she didn't want any score at all, and she just wanted to use, you know, source music and um, people singing and folk music from the region. And, yeah. And then I think she realised that she'd made something that was that needed suspense and tension because it had a, has a kind of it's not really a thriller element, but it does have a, you know, it's a, a girl hunting for her father, and mm. the tension and suspense is is a big part of it. Yeah. And she realised then she needed score. And so it, it was just a very, um, quite a slow sort of building up of, of, I almost had to get her to trust me to, to do things to yeah. begin with, because I, I think she was terrified of someone doing some big lush kind of orchestration and, and we, you know, things like the, I play a lot of banjo on it and that was, that was her saying that and I, I said, yeah, but what about deliverance and all the connotations he said no no you can do it differently <laughs> but then when I went, I went to the store to buy a banjo I went to a local um a second-hand music store just to buy a cheap banjo because I, I thought I don't think this is going to work anyway <laughs> can and, you uh, play the banjo well, well could you well no and okay. the, the thing is I went in the store and a guy gets it down and he starts playing deliverance on it and I thought oh, no, <laughs> here we go <laughs> and so then the challenge was to make it different to that so yeah. because I'm not a banjo player I, I, I play guitar and violin and I kind of did my own version of it. And I think in doing that, I kind of created a new sort of um, strange <laughs> banjo playing style that's yeah. just me, you know. Self-taught. Yeah, exactly. Which is, and that's what Deborah loves, that kind of thing. She loves things that, are, um, that aren't overly intellectualized. Even though she's a highly intellectual person, she, she loves things that, are, that feel very natural and sort of homespun, that yeah. sort of thing. And then how did that kind of experience then develop on working on Leave No Trace? Was it a similar experience or, or, or was it was it very different? It was it was quite similar, but it's a, a different kind of film and mm. different kind of score. So um, the, the tension side of it wasn't, it's not as dark a score. And yeah. In some ways it had to be more subtle and find different ways of approaching things. Yeah. So in some ways it was harder, I think, to, it was, it was quite easy to get the tone right and she, 
one of her big things is she wanted the music to feel at times like it was sort of emerging from the forest and that it was sort of non-human. So I, I did quite a lot of things with drones and backwards instruments and mm. things that, that are real acoustic or electric instruments. They're not synthesizers, but are affected in such a way that they, they become sort of non-human. Yeah. just watched um, this um, Ryuichi Sakamoto documentary, Coda. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm, ab I'm, I'm absolutely in love with the man. He's just, yeah. he's so fa fascinating in his yeah. life. And, yeah, it was really interesting talking about that. And there's a great scene where he, you see him kind of traipsing down his stairs with these enormous symbols. Yeah. That he then kind of gets a, a, a bow and then starts just kind of playing with them by putting different fingers and weight on. And it's just... Mm. It's fascinating to yeah. watch just how how sound is. I think and it was for the um, Revenant at the time. Yeah. He was writing okay. in school for the Revenant, yeah. and so it was just fascinating seeing his approach to how he went about finding sounds that fitted that brief. Really, yeah. No, it, I've got to say, oh, it's so I, good. I read an interview with him recently, and he the way he talks about music is it's really inspiring. I mean, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is like oh. one of the first. You know, oh, here's a yeah. yeah, he's great. We had Killian Murphy on the show, okay, um, yeah. about maybe about six months ago, and um, Peaky Blinders. You worked on Peaky Blinders, yeah, yeah. 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 How was that? How did that, that come great. about? Yeah, the third series. I think they asked so before me to or the after Lock. Did what it came was first? After Lock, yeah. It so, was after yeah. Lock. So um, I think um, that sort of helps. You know, although I I was going to work on a second series, and then I couldn't for various reasons yeah. but um but you know that that was great it's really good fun I mean it's it's it's, it's tough in terms of you know it's, it's episodic tv yeah. so it's fast turnover and everything but just to work on that show is you know it's, it's a bit of a dream because you you can do things that you can't do in other things you know it's, it's quite rock and roll
Jim's a massive music fan. Yeah. Does he get involved in that side of it? He, he didn't with the score, no. Yeah. I mean, he obviously on Locke, because he directed Locke, he, yeah. he was obviously very involved with the score with, yeah. with that. But with um, with Peaky, he, he, he kind of was more involved in some of the choice of songs, which yeah. is such a big deal on that show, you know. Um, but not really with the score, no. I remember speaking to him at the London Film Festival about yeah. Locke, and uh, it's a great film, yeah. so great, and such a great idea. Um, what point did you come and get involved in that and, and what were the conversations that you had with him about what he needed for for, for, for that score because you know it's such a simple idea but the music is so important in that film in terms of you know like you say like it, it, the way that sometimes music the score can be a character and can really drive narrative mm. and it can really kind of almost have conflict with what you see on screen and I think that's really what it did with, with Locke. It was really difficult to score that film because it the environment never changes, so yeah. <laughs> you, you sort of, um, you know, in most films, when you kind of get to a point where you think, oh, I, I need to just look at a different scene now, with that, you look to look at a different scene, and <laughs> but it, it, it's probably more than any other film, I always had the dialogue playing, even when I was doing the music, um, okay. because it's it's so, so much part of it, it's mm -hmm. more like a radio play in a way, yeah. you know, you could do it without the images, the dialogue's so strong. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, and but it, but in terms of scoring it, it was it was it was a kind of um, it was just getting the feel and the vibe of, of a combination of his internal state and the and the the move the movement in the narrative and the movement of the car at various times he accelerates away or he's in traffic and so it was kind of responding to very simple basic things and trying to sort of sort of weave my way into his life. Yeah. You know, Locke's life. I remember about it as well was almost the you know when you're the, the passing of the light yeah, yeah that kind of metronomic if that's a yeah, word yeah do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Of that kind of no the rhythm yeah, yeah. no the, the rhythm the rhythm the of the other passing. car yeah, yeah the rhythm the, the sound and the, and the and the lights were the kind of um sort of like the backbeat of the score for me and, and created a you know almost I tried to well I didn't try it, it is quite hypnotic yeah the, the you know, just visually and the sounds in the film. Mm. So I tried to sort of become part of that timelessness because when he's, yeah. in, it's like he's in a capsule, Tom Hardy, when he's driving and it, it, you kind of lose sense of time and space and it, 
it goes more and more into his head and the music was, you know, that was the idea, it was the music to, to operate somewhere between the two and yeah. dance between them. performance influence the music at all you know because it could have been a different actor but you know you're talking about you just listened to the voice and the yeah. performance really and I wondered if if his tone and you know delivery had yeah. any contribution yeah to no it, oh, definitely yeah and I think he has a as an actor kind of unique intensity yeah you feel like he's always on the edge of something you know there's never a dull moment even when he's you know <laughs> when talking he's doing about nothing. domestic things yeah. it, it's like something's about to happen there's tension yeah. always in the air and so I think that very much informed what I was doing with the music to, that it, it was sort of you know keying into that side of him mm. both visually and, and his voice Types of things that you've you've worked on. We talk quite a lot about a lot of different feature films, documentaries, Project Nim. Yeah. Um, how many times did you cry when you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a brilliant, brilliant, yeah. brilliant doc. It's sad. It is very sad. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, I think it's probably maybe one of the, the one of the documentaries that I've cried at most intensely. Do you right. know what I mean? Because you really connect with that. You know, it's it's yeah. There's an amazing connection that you have as a just as a human, really. Yeah. With that, what was the what were the, the discussion you had with James about that and about, you know, was it was it edited when you came on board or at what point were you? It was. I came on board quite early with that, and oh, then wow. I, I I wrote some ideas quite early on, and I seem to remember, and then I sort of left to do some other things, and because documentaries tend to have a different kind of post production. There's a lot more done. The narrative is, in some senses, created in the in the cut in the edit. Yeah. Um, and although obviously they had, they had the narrative that it, it's a story that they were telling, but mm. the way that they were going to tell it in particular, it was quite. They had to experiment a lot to find that path. So I, yeah. I was involved quite early on, just getting ideas going, and then when we did something else, and then came back again when they were sort of close to finishing. And that was that was kind of uh, an interesting one, sort of trying to uh, get inside the the, the 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 place and time, sort of seventies America and. And these strange people's lives and what they were doing, and mm. a bit sort of kind of trippy and psychedelic, some of it. And yeah. <laughs> um, so that was it was an interesting job on that level, it was, and uh, yeah, and very intense as well.
conversations with, uh, with James about what, you know, is it a case of he kind of lets you go away and come up with ideas or is there much dialogue about his vision for, for what the score is going to be and what he needs for it or is it, is it a real collaboration? With that score, very much a collaboration, yeah. He, I mean, he had, um, I think he was playing me some Pink Floyd or something and there were a few tracks that he sort of was referencing and yeah. saying, oh, I like this, these kind of sounds and they were sounds from that kind of time. You know, it was not prog rock, but the, there was, I definitely remember some, some starting points like that and some yeah. of them sort of stayed and other things were more orchestral and that score is, it's not, kind of just one thing is again with documentaries it, it, it's the only one I've done but I, I, when I've seen others as well it tends to need lots of different types of music mm -hmm. and especially that story it's a very rich story that changes over time and the way that um, Nim you know chimpanzee his, his life and the changes within it so yeah the music had to sort of go with him really yeah 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 it's almost like his 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 soundtrack really, yeah it, it is really yeah he was he was always and, it, and that was a kind of weird one, thinking, how do you score a, a chimp? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not so keen on this whole sort of anthropomorphic thing of turning animals into humans. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you make, you know, do chimps, are they sad? It, you know, it, yeah. it, it without opens it a lot of questions. Like, without it feeling obvious. Yeah, obvious you know, and a bit yeah. mawkish and a bit kind mm. of, oh, you're, you're sort of loading this animal with human traits that it doesn't really have. Yeah. But it is a film watched by humans, so <laughs> <laughs> we, that's how we connect with animals, I guess. Yeah. And then you work with James again on Shadow Dancer. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, about that. Shadow Dancer, yeah, it was very intense, um, dark, uh, amazing film. Yeah, about, incredible film. About the Troubles, brilliant performances. And with that one, it was interesting just in terms of getting the, the tone. So it was kind of a thriller, but also a much more of an emotional piece as well. So the music was sort of trying to combine the, the emotional lives of the characters with the, the kind of constant tension and fear that they were living under, being discovered, you know, by it, of being informants and uh, the whole sort of undercover police operations and everything. It was, yeah, yeah, interesting. And I, th I think, you know, because I grew up in the time, you know, where that was something that was going on all the time. It was it was really interesting to, to get to work on something like that. something like that do you go back or do you surround yourself at all with with any kind of sound or music from that time um not really on that film yeah i mean on something like yardy that very the opposite it was very much a case of going back to the music from that time and the, the production techniques and yeah. the sounds the instrumentation and the whole approach to writing music which is a really interesting 
bit of research to be doing. And, and again, with that, for example, I used a lot of melodica in that. Yeah. Which was influenced by Augustus Pablo. And, and then doing what King Tubby did to his, his melodica, which was to put delays and strange reverbs and distortions on it. Yeah. So things like that. It, with Yardy, it was a real kind of treat to go back into the library of sounds and how things were made and be influenced by that and let it kind of come through in the school. Yeah. They're all quite kind of intense films that you, you've watched, mm. and then we've got Man Up, yeah. which I loved. Okay, it was such a great, yeah. great comedy. Tess, I thought yeah. did a brilliant job with that script, yeah. and I just thought it was brilliant. I don't know, is comedy is it a completely different beast when you when you start thinking about about that, or I don't do you not think, think is, about really. it as a, you don't think about genre? You think it's a story, it's characters, it's more so. Yeah, I mean, when I've done, I've done a few comedies now, yeah. and, and it's more. I, I never try and score the comedy you know? yeah and so yeah things, too laurel and hard yeah yeah, yeah. T- things tend to be funnier if you play it straight with the music and then let the cat the characters are the, <laughs> the funny ones you know yeah not yeah. the music but having said that the timing of things and the placement and how you set things up that you can do it in a way that's you know quite laid back and cool and then some, something very funny happens it, at the end of it, it yeah that's i think the, the key to it is the timing Actually, a, a comedy it's called How to Build a Girl. It's, um, oh, they kept them around, around. Yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's brilliant. I was speaking to Paddy. Paddy was on two yeah, weeks ago, he's actually. On it, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so he's playing the dad, I think, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, and he's playing um, drums on it and stuff. Is he? Yeah. Uh, have you heard his band, Riding the Low? I have, yeah. Yeah, I went to see them about, I mean, they're much better than they used to be. So <laughs> he, he, he knows, he, I've said that to him, but I went to see them at Islington Academy about, man, it's going to be about eight years ago, and they were yeah. terrible. <laughs> Um, but they're really good now. Okay. Really, right. really good. Yeah. Are you going on set yet? Then are you going to be? Um, I have, I have been. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit. Yeah. 
Wow. But, um, they're, I think they're pretty much done. Amazing. When, yeah. when do you think it's going to be for It'll human consumption? Sometime next year, I guess. Maybe next spring. Wow. But you're having conversations about that, I imagine, yeah. already. Yeah. But yeah. just not sat down and... Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's because it's so much the early 90s indie scene, which is kind of... Your what, world. Yeah, it's my world. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like... Getting um, some Tinder sticks in there? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but I think it's more the way that, um, and as, as you will know, um, music journalists back then, they were like gods, you know. They were like they were t real tastemakers. But they also had a very powerful position that they could sometimes abuse, and, and the, the film takes on, you know, looks into some of that. <laughs> it's a very funny way, yeah. It is very funny. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, thank you so much for your time. Really lovely chatting to you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. Sixth first score, that's Nosfera 2, which seems a fitting place to round off this latest episode of Soundtracking with composer Dickon Hinchleff. My huge thanks to Dickon for taking the time to talk to us. URD is on general release now and marks a very promising start to Idris Elba's directorial career. We'll put a link up to a Spotify playlist for the show via edithbowman.com, which is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes. No Idris as yet, but we'll get him one day. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do rate us on iTunes as well if you get a moment. Next up is British writer and director Bart Layton, who won a BAFTA for his previous work, The Imposter. American Animals is his screenwriting debut, which he also directed and has the most fabulous collection of contemporary tracks, as well as a wonderful score. Bart Layton next week. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Music